Welcome to the Puberty Prof Podcast, where information and tools are shared to help you have conversations about puberty and other growing up topics. Here is your host, Lori Reichel, the Puberty Prof, a nationally recognized health educator, author of the award-winning book, Common Questions Children Ask About Puberty, and creator of the Talk Puberty app. And welcome to the Puberty Prof Podcast. My name is Lori Reichel, the Puberty Prof. Now, today's episode is focusing on the experiences of two former college students of mine who are currently in their mid-20s and are really a lot of fun to talk with. Their names are Austin and Tom. And Austin and Tom, do you mind saying hi to everyone and introducing yourself? Hi, everybody. My name is Tom, and I live in Wisconsin. Hi, my name is Austin. I currently live in Colorado. Excellent. Thank you. And thank you so much for being here today. It's so nice to see your faces. We're Zooming today. So again, I've taught both of these people and they agreed to be interviewed to help young people regarding, you know, how do you handle puberty and adolescence? So I'm going to jump to the questions after going over simple rules. So please, if I ask a question, remember that you have the right to pass on any question. You can also go back to a question. You can ask for clarification. You have the right to have fun. And be mindful, people of a variety of ages that are listening in. So question number one, what memories do you have about puberty and growing up? Oh, boy. Well, I mean, I think uh, a lot of people in our generation, the first memory may not always be the most pleasurable, Uh, you know, like fifth grade boys and girls get split up and we start talking about uh, maybe some basic human anatomy maybe starting to talk about what sexual intercourse is, you know, some of that. So not always very positive, I would say, is kind of my first initial thought uh, when I hear the word puberty. Yeah, and I'm right there with you. That's the first thing that I think of, too, is in fifth grade where they pulled us all apart and we started talking about that initial stuff. So do you have some other memories you want to talk about? Yeah, I I have a couple that come to mind. I was fortunate. My mom was a nurse and in the healthcare uh, system in our hometown. Um, And so she was very open with me through my puberty. And I remember her, uh, I think it was in right around fourth or fifth grade, she gave me my own puberty book that had, I, I wish I still had the name of it, but I mean, it had a variety of things regarding puberty, talking about body odor that can happen, the different body changes that are going to happen, which was actually really nice because I felt like, not that I couldn't go and talk to her about things, but it was nice to kind of look into this book when I was curious at times and just kind of see for myself, read through, and then maybe go with questions if there were still things that I didn't understand. So that's more of a positive thing that I was fortunate to have growing up. Yeah. And I think Austin and I may have a lot of similar experiences growing up in puberty. I was the same way. I definitely started off with that class in fifth grade. And then, you know, I got a few books to learn. And I think really between that, the books and my parents and just experiencing things with my friends, I think, you know, that's kind of where I learned the most. Mm -hmm. Whether or not what my friends told me were uh, anatomically or biologically correct is a different story, but definitely part of it. Do you remember anything that was shared with you and you're like, no, that's wrong. And it was wrong. I think just like the beginning introduction of what 
sexual intercourse was, you know, in fifth grade, we heard about it at this Robert Crown. That's what they called it back then. I think it's a different company now. That was our fifth grade puberty talk. But we, so we heard about it then, you know, everybody was kind of talking about it, but nobody really knew what it was. So, you know, there were some of the kids who thought they were like the cool kids, you know, they know all about this. And, but really, what are they telling you? Is that the truth? Probably not. So I don't remember exactly what they were saying, but that's probably what I would say the most maybe far from the truth thing that I heard from other people might have been. So what was your favorite part about growing up? My favorite part personally to me was just playing and, you know, learning things about myself and the world and being outside and spending time with friends. And that would be, that's what I would say, you know, just like growing through play. I spent a lot of time entertaining myself or, you know, me and my friends doing things outside or, and I think that was what the most fun part about growing up was for me. Yeah. For me, I, there was certainly that aspect. I was really, I really enjoyed growing up in the country. I, I lived surrounded by woods um, and on my uncle's farm. So I, I really enjoyed that because I got to spend a lot of time with family along with friends who also were either on farm. So not always the safest things going on when you live on farms uh, where you like to play and whatnot, but certainly learned a lot and uh, really enjoyed growing up in a small community setting where I really did get to know a lot of people at a very deep level. Okay. So what was your least favorite part about growing up? And and both of these things could be about the actual physical changes that you went through, even the favorite part of that, or the least favorite part of puberty and adolescence. It's just really awkward a lot of times, <laughs> you know, and that's just kind of how it is. I think for a lot of people, there's a lot of times where you're growing up and you end up in different situations with your friends, with girls that you're interested in or other partners that you're interested in. And, you know, it's just a lot of awkwardness growing up. I think that's probably one of the hardest things you have to learn to go through. Yeah. I I think another part of that awkwardness too, is because puberty is so different across the board for everyone, there's this constant evaluation of yourself that you kind of have because you're always like, Oh, what? why is, why is Bobby like all of a sudden four inches taller than me? And he has armpit hair, but I only have like two little hairs sprouting out right now. Like, is is something wrong with me? Like, I think that like subconscious, well, not even subconscious, it's fully conscious, like processing that you internalize it. You're like, Oh man, like, is it ever going to happen for me? I think that was the part that was just uh, the hardest part of getting through in puberty for me. So what's a recommendation you have for young people that identify as male regarding their body hair? Like I see a lot of things in the advertisements that like people are like told you're supposed to remove this body hair, keep this body hair. What's your recommendation? You know, for me, I feel like it happened pretty early on where I was starting to, you know, see a little bit of a mustache coming through and it was kind of fun. So I always thought it was kind of fun to let it grow. And once it gets to a point where it needs to be cleaned up a little bit, and then definitely is worth a conversation with an adult trying to figure out how to do it safely because it, you know, it is a little dangerous if you don't know what you're doing. So 
I was always on the side of let it grow and it's kind of fun, but it definitely can be a little awkward too, because, you know, there may be other people that you're friends with that are not doing that. And you may feel a little weird about it, but for me personally, I always just kind of let it do its thing. (laughs) And, you know, there was points too, where growing up, I would just feel like it was a little obnoxious and I would try and hide it or take care of it on my own or something, but you know, really it's all natural. So, you know, it, it gets to the point where like the stuff that people can see, sure. You know, you have to try to make it look nice. I don't know, I guess what I'm trying to say. Yeah, no, I agree. I think there's kind of like a learning curve that you hit, especially like if you have facial hair of understanding kind of that line of, okay, you're, you're groomed, you're well-kept versus rather mangy looking. So I, I think my first advice here's here's the first thing I will say. It has to be washed just like the hair on the top of your head. And they do make specific products for facial hair as well, because the skin underneath like your beard and your mustache is different than the skin that's underneath the hair on your head, your scalp. Um, so there's different things that you can do to help keep it from drying out, keeping that area healthy. Um, so that's a big thing too, is that there it's the same amount of hygiene is required for facial hair, especially because you have to remember you're eating, food gets in there, different things can get in your facial hair. If you touch your face a lot, um, you know, you're putting bacteria in your beard or other places and that needs to be kept clean. So I, I think my biggest advice is just hygiene, whether that's, you know, not only washing, but learning how to cut it properly or how to uh, style it properly. If that's something you're interested in is, is my biggest takeaway. And it took me way too long in life to come to that realization. Yeah. And the other thing I'll say too, is, you know, you see all these people on TV and in the media with these perfect full beards, you know, and when you're growing up and you're younger, it's just, it doesn't come in that way. You know, it takes a really long time to grow a beard that comes in nicely and looks full. And so you may see as the beard's coming in or as facial hair is coming in that there's spots where it's taking longer or there's less hair there and doesn't look as full as other people or, you know, or as in people you see on TV or anything like that. And that's just natural. I mean, it's nothing against you or anything like that. It's just kind of how it works. You know, it's just like the hair on top of your head. It all grows in kind of separate speeds. Yeah. And I I mean, and I'll talk to what Thomas said about, you know, it it being natural. And I think that's such a key thing to focus on is that, you know, it's just part of being a human, you know, we grow hair. And that was something that I myself was impacted, especially by like media on, like, I think about some years of my life where I did shave my chest hair. And that was strictly because of messages I received from media. And then I, I don't know what the turning point was or what light flip, light switch flicked in my head that all of a sudden I was like, ah, that's just a waste of my time and energy. Like I, it does not need to be like that. I'm just letting it grow. And so I think really focusing on, yeah, we are human and we have body hair and it's supposed to grow for reasons. So I, I yeah, I think that's a big point to hold on to. Yeah. And you'll see people with more hair than you and less hair than you. And everything in between, you know, I had some friends that were like, Oh my gosh, where'd you get all that chest hair from? And <laughs> some that were, you know, completely hairless, but it is just is what it is. It's kind of just how your body develops. Absolutely. 
if I summarize what you're saying, that it's your choice how you want to handle the hair. Certainly in certain cultures, there might be certain things they're asked to do, like to have a beard, to ha- not have a beard or something. And certainly some people, like I think it was Tom that had said, not everybody can grow the same amount of hair or comes in different rates. But then Austin, you said, if you do have hair on your face to take care of it. So it's, it's like a personal choice. This is all mm-hmm. personal choice. And that applies to the hair on the chest. If somebody grew hair on their chest, as well as the armpits and then the pubic area. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah. Yes. I think the okay, first so- time I ever noticed anything with the armpit hair even was like out of the pool, I'm, you know, with friends and I'm like, oh, I have this weird armpit hair. Maybe I should hide it or, you know, but really, it's just everybody has it. It's natural. Okay. So what's your advice for handling body odor? Well, I mean, I think for those who are adolescents currently, I'm sure uh, you've already heard this from either teachers, your parents or guardians, maybe even your friends if they're watching out for you. Shower, deodorant, both key things to help with body odor. But I think it's also good to know that much like hair, it's going to happen. And you need to accept that body odor is just what happens, whether you're working out or it's just a hot day and you're sweating some, it's going to happen, you know, and, but there are things that you can do to help prevent it and, you know, limit the amount of odor that maybe your body has. Yeah. And, you know, you got to listen to yourself a little bit and maybe, you know, maybe others too, is if you feel like maybe you starting to stink, it's okay to put deodorant on, you know, two, three, four times a day. If you're feel like you need it, or if you need another shower, you know, whatever, you know, things happen during the day and you get smelly and that's okay. It's just part of life. And I, I, one of my biggest takeaways that I ever got from Dr. Reichel was uh, how to getting kiddos and adolescents to be advocates for each other. And, you know, cause it's more impactful <laughs> if one of those kiddos can be like, Hey dude, um, I'm trying, I'm trying to think of how good way that they would actually say, it, you know, like, but essentially suggesting like to your friend, Hey, here's some deodorant, try it. Or like, you know, just letting them know, like you have a little body odor. That's okay. I'm just letting you know, like there's a, there's appropriate way to do that. And that's okay to let them know. Um, and it can be more impactful than, you know, an adult just constantly harping on a kid about it. Yeah. And there's a lot of different kinds of deodorant too, that you can try. And you know, that was one big learning thing for me too, is, you know, there's like the the white kind that is more dry. There's like a gel kind. There's some that comes out, you know, like almost like a liquid and there's a spray. And so you really just got to kind of try different things and see what works best for you. And I will say for any listeners who are in the UK, I know that they use spray much more commonly than we do here in the U.S., that's really popular over there using spray. And I actually, I really enjoyed it for the time that I lived over there. It's, I kind of wish the U.S. had more of it personally. So it was like a spray, like a cologne spray or something for the armpit? Because I know there's more of a push for organic products if you don't want to use an antiperspirant for any chemicals and there's stuff with even lemons. So is it like a cologne, Austin? So it's like an aerosol spray, essentially, that you would just shake up. It's like a better version of Axe body spray. It doesn't have (laughs) that like very pungent smell. Um, It's really light. 
but it's just simply spray on, let it dry, and then you're good to go. And it doesn't really leave like uh, what Tom was talking about with the deodorant that uh, is white, you know, a little bit drier. That can sometimes leave uh, streaks in like your clothing. This doesn't leave any like that. It, it just stays on. It, it was really nice. I really enjoyed it. Super quick and easy. The other, the last thing too that I'll mention about just hygiene and like body odor is that, you know, you want to make sure too that you are switching your clothes up. You know, it's not, it's okay to do more laundry than you think you need to do. It's, if you wear something, even if it's for just a little while, it's probably worth switching if you're going to do something else or if you were outside or something like that, you know, it's always okay to change your clothes and you know you may too notice you start to sweat through clothes which just happens you know it gets hot out and it happens to all of us what do you Mm -hmm. recommend to young people about their body image and as they experience the changes of puberty i will say this blatantly social media is not your friend when it comes to body image i want to be any listener out there, I know social media is going to more than likely be a part of your life. And that is completely fine. There's so many great benefits of social media, but you need to understand that any of these type of cosmetic type of companies, the way they market is by making things look and sound and smell better than they actually do for your body. There's a number of videos on YouTube. You can see of all the Photoshopping that's done on People who are models who already have these, you know, unrealistic body types to begin with, and then they make them more unrealistic, you know, through different type of computer methods, essentially, right? And Dr. Reichel, you know me, I'm a, I'm a big advocate for uh, body image. I, I was fortunate to present with you at a state conference on that. Um, it's something I remain passionate about. So yeah, my big one is social media is, it, it can be a very very rough place when it comes to body image yeah and even just like in life too like you'll be you know in class and with other people outside or at the pool in the summer you know and you'll start to see other your other friends with their shirts off and they're probably gonna look different than you because everybody looks different so you know it's really just your body and as you grow up and i can tell you you know the time from what your body looks like in fifth grade to what your body looks like when you're in high school is going to be completely different. You're going to grow and change quite a bit. So I, I wouldn't worry about it. You know, your body is just developing on its own. Like Austin said, social media is always going to be there in the background to show you what social media says is the perfect body, but really you just have to feel your own body and just try to be healthy. Yeah. I think that's a big thing is, you know, there's not a perfect body. It's about creating a healthy body, right? It's about making sure that the organs inside of you, your heart and whatnot are healthy. That's what we want. That's what we really want. That's what you want because you want your body to be lasting you, you know, well past what our average age is of death here in the U.S. We want you to live well into your 80s and 90s. And that starts by making sure, you know, that you're staying healthy not just that your body looks great because just because your body looks great does not necessarily mean that you are healthy. I, I can speak from not only experience, but a number of my friends are bodybuilders and yeah, you know, they, they're huge or very muscular, they're ripped, but you know, at what cost I, I had, I had one friend uh, who had to deal with some high blood pressure levels all of a sudden because he 
was what he was eating to meet the size that he was trying to reach just wasn't healthy. And then I'll, I'll speak from my own experience here. I've got diagnosed with Crohn's about a year and a half ago. Uh, at one point I was at my lowest body weight I had ever been. I was just very unhealthy and my own body image was really hard to work through uh, for, a, for a good chunk of my life. But I, I always had to come back that, you know, it's getting to be healthy. You know, I know my body doesn't look how I want to right now, but that doesn't matter. It's I still need to be eating these foods because I need to be gaining weight. You know, I, I, these things all coming back just to my health and making sure that I'm doing everything to remain healthy. So we talked about body hair, body odor, body image. What recommendations do you have about those voice changes? Because I know that your voices are deeper and I can imagine they were not like that when you were in the fourth or fifth grade. It's a a gradual shift, I would say, from higher voice up to or down to the lower voice. And, you know, it's kind of like a staircase. It's not straight down like a ramp. You know, there's a lot of cracks and uh, mm-hmm. steps in between there. It's very gradual and you know, everybody's voice is going to crack and your friends are going to joke about it. And it's, it is what it is, but their voice is going to crack too. And it's just one of those things that's happening to kind of everybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, I will audience, I have no issue telling you my age, I'm 27 years old and my voice still cracks on occasion randomly. And my fiance still makes fun of me for it. And it, we enjoy laughing about it because it is funny. I mean, it's, it will just happen out of nowhere and it's gonna happen to you as you grow up. And it's, it's better if it depends on your personality, I know, but you know, if if you can have good humor about it, I can, if that's your personality type roll with it, you know, like make a joke about it. I promise you because your friends are going through it too. And if they haven't yet, they're going to at some point more than likely, I think. Yeah, they're just happy it wasn't them. <laughs> I mean, really, it happens to everybody. Yeah, I I would be curious to see if there's any research regarding voice cracks and singing. Like I, I did choir all through middle school and high school musicals. I did a lot of it. And I felt like in high school, I really didn't crack a whole lot. And I don't know if that's because I was singing tenor all the time. and doing falsetto, all this stuff, you know, singing really high and really working my vocal cords, I would be fascinated. I bet there is some research out there on that, but um, maybe something to look into if you're maybe going to be self-conscious about it. That's okay too, but maybe go try something new to help uh, work that voice box a little bit. Excellent. Thank you. Okay. So how about some other more personal things perhaps that might happen to somebody that has a penis? like? There might have something spontaneous that happens during the day in which it might get hard. What are your recommendations for that? My first thing that I would say is take a few deep breaths. All right. You you have to get centered because what you don't want to happen is you don't want to panic because then what will more than likely happen is you will start to go flush. Your face might turn a little red. Maybe you'll start sweating, which as I'm sure you can probably guess, might only bring more attention to yourself, which at that moment in time, you do not want. So first thing, take a deep breath. It's going to be okay, because guess what? It will go away. So that's my first, that's where I'll start the conversation on that, Tom. I'll let you build on that. 
Yeah, yeah, and it, like Dawson said, it it will go away, and you know you can kind of dictate what you do next. So, like you don't have to, you know, you don't have to get up or move around, or you can, you know, find a way to hide it or run to the bathroom if you need to, or you know, just try to make it a as little of a deal as possible because chances are it's really only you that has any idea that it's going on. Exactly. Do you know why that happens during the adolescent years? I would guess because of all the hormones that are running through your body. Yeah. Yep. So it's a natural occurrence. Stuff happens. Mm Yeah. And then as you age, you have more control over those, those things like erections, correct? Correct. Okay, so say if somebody woke up and they realized they had a wet dream, nocturnal emission, what's your advice? Change your sheets. You know, we can go and watch those. That's no issue whatsoever. Whether now that can come down to if you know how to do laundry and, you know, you don't feel comfortable or you don't want to share it with your guardians or whoever, cool. Just throw them in, lay a blanket down, sleep on that for the night. And you're going to be okay. But I would say step one, just wash your sheets. You're going to want to. Okay. Um, or, you know, if, uh, if you want, you can tell your parents, if you have that trust, if you have that communication with them and, you know, you've built that relationship to discuss that type of thing, by all means, um, you know, just let them know and be like, Hey, throwing this laundry in for this reason. And it's okay. And it doesn't even have to be that reason, too, if you don't want to say that reason. You know, like you could say, well, you know, I got really sweaty in my sleep last night and my sheets are kind of smelly or, you know, I spilled on my sheets or something. You know, your parents probably know what's going on or your guardian. They might probably know what's going on, but they're not going to, you know, pressure you about it or make you feel bad about it. So they'll exactly. be more than happy to wash your sheets for you, I'm sure. Excellent. Thank you. And any other recommendations regarding that part of the body for those that identify as biological males? Yeah, I think one thing I'll always be an advocate for yourself is checking yourself when you're taking showers, you know, make sure you're feeling your penis, your testicles to make sure you're not feeling any lumps or anything that's out of the ordinary. Because if you do, that's when we really want to be going to see uh, a professional healthcare provider, you know, your primary care doctor, your pediatrician, or if that's who you're still seeing for your healthcare. I mean, that's when we really want to be doing things. And I want to say this right now, it is normal for one of your testicles to hang lower than the other. One should hang lower. They don't hang at the same height. One should be lower. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's all really good stuff that you're saying, Austin. And just the same thing we talked about body image, you know, it's a similar thing is everything, everybody looks different and there's no, there's no perfect. So you shouldn't be stressing about what you look like or feel like. And, but like Austin said, you know, you do want to take care of yourself. Mm-hmm. I'll also add, cause there's so many things just pop into my head here. Other things that are just completely normal. When you are hot, your scrotum is going to be very stretchy. It's going to go away from your body and that's your body trying to cool down. It's trying to protect essentially your semen because if semen are held at too warm of a temperature, they can actually be killed. So your body is pushing away to help regulate temperature. Same as when it's cold, your scrotum should shrivel up and it does look funny 
it will, but completely normal. And I want you to be aware of that. It is completely normal. Well, what recommendations do you have if somebody has friends or peers that are saying things to them that are either to tease or flat out wrong? What do you recommend to young people? It's tough, but, you know, first thing that comes to mind and it's hard to do is to just take it with a grain of salt. And like you said, they, they're probably wrong. You know, people are going to talk and they're going to say things. So they're probably wrong. And, you know, you can always ask like, your closest friend or a guardian or someone that you, an adult that you feel safe talking to. I would avoid looking things up on Google, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I think I would just take everything that you're hearing from others in school or wherever with a grain of salt and that they're probably saying that because they're feeling uncomfortable about something that's happening in their body or in their life. Yeah, I would totally agree. And I think uh, a step that you can take, you know, if you find yourself in this situation is, uh, you know, if you're not sure what to say, you can say, oh, that's interesting. I'm, I'm going to actually go and I'm going to do a little research on this. And I want to look more into that to see if that's true or not. You know, you don't have to, you don't have to argue about it or anything like that. You know, take the time, go educate yourself. You know, there are great resources out there. That's a very uh, fortunate part of the technology that we have at our fingertips. Now go to your health teacher, ask them, I guarantee you that they will have some phenomenal resources regarding just about every subject you could think about. Your doctor should also have some phenomenal resources to help you, uh, you know, work through this transition that you're going through. Excellent. So any other recommendations for young people who might be listening in? Just because Dr. Reichel, you know, I'm huge on this subject. Work on good communication skills. Communication is a skill. Yes, you have learned how to talk when you were very young, but how you talk, how you're saying things, how you're listening it all is an actual skill. I mean, yes, I can, I can listen to my fiance tell me, you know, hey, I need you to get this, this, and this at the grocery store. And then I come home missing two out of those three things. Clearly, I was not active listening in that situation. So I think work on your communication skills. Sarcasm when it comes to communication isn't always super helpful. It's still fun, but understand there's a time and place for it. And, uh, that's my big takeaway for, for my young folks. It's, it's such a crucial skill that you will have throughout your life. Yeah, I think communication is a really good one. And I think the other thing I would say is just finding that person that you trust and can talk to. And, you know, for me, that was a neighbor that I hung out with all the time. <laughs> we talked about everything. And whether they were wrong or right, <laughs> you know, it was someone to talk to about it. Thank you so much. And it's funny that, We've talked a little bit earlier about teasing or joking with your friends. There will be an episode where we define the difference between joking, teasing, and bullying. Certainly the intent behind those things. And if the intent is to have power over another or to hurt someone physically or emotionally, mentally, that certainly goes into the bullying and harassing behavior. So that will be an episode in the future. Do you have any recommendations for parents or other caregivers? I think it kind of goes back to something I said before is you know, there may be some embarrassing things for kids and, you know, as you're growing up that they just might not want to talk about, you know, they might want you to wash their sheets for them or and they might not want you to ask why they need to wash their sheets. They might just say, 
hey, I need help washing these or I need this. And, you know, you might just say, okay, let me help you with that or rather than digging into it. But they also might want some information or want your help with it. So you kind of got to play it by ear, I guess. But that's what I would say. Yeah, I would totally agree. And I think building, you know, I'm not a parent, so I can't speak to, you know, what it's like to have a child and building that relationship with them. But looking from my experience with my parents, I always felt like if I was in a bad situation, if I really had a concern, I knew I could trust them and I could go to them and talk to them about that issue. And I, I could communicate that with them. And I, I just think just giving that to your child, if they know that they can come and talk to you, they will do it when they are ready. Um, you, can, you can't force them into these types of conversations and have super positive things come out. I, I just feel like from what I've seen when people try to force conversations about these issues is you actually only start to create more barriers to this communication around puberty and growing up. So I think just affirming with them that you are a trusted person. You are someone that is not going to be judging them because they grew some pubic hair or they start to have a little body odor. You know, I I think unconditional love, that's what it is. It really is. And that's such a crucial part to starting conversation in this area of life. Anything else you want to add? You know, just talk to people, talk to the people that you trust about what's going on. And it's okay to laugh about it. It's okay to joke about it. And it's okay to be upset about things at certain times. That'll happen. And it's just, just a lot going on in your body that you have little control over. So you just kind of got to strap in and Mm -hmm. take the ride. Absolutely. I I think Building off that, you don't have no no one. There's not a set timeline for people. Things happen at your own course. Whether that's when you first start growing hair, when you really start to grow, when your voice starts to lower, when you have your first kiss, maybe with a significant other. You know, all these things they happen at different times. They don't need to happen when you're a freshman in high school. When you're a senior in high school, these it doesn't work like that. You choose when you want, well, I can't say you choose everything because you don't get to choose all of the biological things that happen to you, but you know, you do have a lot of choices in your life and it's not by any timeline. So do it when you're comfortable to do things. And that gets applied to every part of your life. If you don't want to go and pursue college, that's totally okay. There's so many wonderful jobs, careers that you don't need to go to college for. You know, I'm a big proponent of that. I I think live your life on your own timeline. That is my biggest suggestion to anyone. Great. Thank you both so much. I have one last thing. It's a little silly. If you feel comfortable trying it out, would you please attempt to say Puberty Prof Podcast three times fast? Sure, I'll go first. Puberty Prof Podcast, Puberty Prof Podcast, Puberty Prof Podcast. Oh, I feel like that was pretty good. Oh my God. Tom, you set the bar so high. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I think that was pretty good, actually. All right. Here we go. Puberty Prof Podcast, Puberty Prof Podcast, Puberty Prof Podcast. There you go. Oh, 
So well, you do it better than I can do. Thank you so much. And I thank you both, Tom and Austin, so much for your time today. Thank you for being here and for providing advice to people of all ages regarding your experiences and how people can cope in all. So thank you so much. You want to say goodbye to our audience? Sure. Goodbye, everybody. I hope you hope this was helpful for you. Yeah, I, I, I wish you the best of luck. For those of you who are going through this wonderful transition of puberty and adolescence. And I am also thinking of all you parents out there who are going through this with them as well, because I I know emotions and uh, tone of language with uh, your kiddos may not always be the most friendly, but I, I'm just wishing the best of luck to all of you for it. Wonderful. Thank you both again so much. And to the audience out there, I thank you so much for listening. I am honored that you gave us your time today. And please, if you have any questions or comments, go to pubertyprof.com. You can write some down in the comment box. Also check out some things. There's the Talk Puberty app. What I did teach Tom in Austin, I don't know if you remember, I cre- I had discussion cards and they were actually mm-hmm. put into an app. And I found out from a bunch of people recently that it's helping guide their conversations with their child. And they're making fun at times of a question, but that's okay because it's still letting them talk. So there's a whole list of resources on my website. So we want you to be as best prepared as possible for talking with your children, or if you're a young person, how to talk with others about these topics. So thank you. And I hope that you have a happy and healthy day. Thank you for listening to the Puberty Prof Podcast, where information and tools are shared to help you have conversations about puberty and other growing up topics. Did you enjoy this episode? Please like, share, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also follow The Puberty Prof on Twitter or Instagram. The Puberty Prof, Lori Reichel, wants to hear from you. Go to pubertyprof.com or click on the link in this episode's description. There you can find more information, as well as ask questions to be answered by The Puberty Prof in a future episode. That's pubertyprof.com. Also, remember to check out the Talk Puberty app and the book, Common Questions Children Ask About Puberty. Until next time, this is the Puberty Prof Podcast, where information and tools are shared to help you have conversations about puberty and other growing up topics.